Welcome to Slasher, I Hardly Know Her, The Jump Scare. That is what we are calling these shorter episodes that we will use to kind of fill in the gaps between uh, the other bigger shows we do where we review movies. Uh, We're going to try to put those out every two weeks so far. I think we've been putting them out a little more often than that. But uh, every time the content presents itself, then we will uh, record one of these jump scares. This is Alex, of course. Micah is hard at work today doing his normal job. Rest assured, though, he will be back for the main episode next Friday, where we will be reviewing uh, Club Dread. Uh, So very excited about that. If you haven't seen it or you want to watch it before you listen to our podcast, please go do that. It is a great movie. You won't be disappointed. Um, So for these jump scares, uh, there's no... There's no format necessarily. Sometimes there'll be interviews. Sometimes there'll be some sort of bonus content. But this week it is an interview. We are talking about fan films. I am a big fan of fan films. I have been ever since uh, way back in the day on YouTube when people were uploading their original lightsaber battles. The creativity just blew me away. The technology that we now have at our fingertips to be able to edit and uh, just, you know, record uh amazing things and then put them out there for people to see it's it's a really neat opportunity for fans to delve into their favorite favorite universe or take the helm of their favorite characters and that's what this is this week is a man and his brother two brothers really who who did this James and Vincent Coleman of Coleman Films Uh, when you talk about fan films you often are talking about something that is you know, lower quality, of course, than a, a big a big budget blockbuster. And you, you go in expecting that. You know the acting's going to be subpar. You know the special effects are going to be okay. There's going to be something that's better than another. That's okay. It's a fan film, you know. It's it's absolutely expected, and, and nobody's going to dink you for it. But that's just not the case with this, uh, this film we're talking about this week. We're talking about a trilogy of films, really. It's called Halloween Inferno. It picks up right where Halloween 2018 leaves off. We see the, the house burning. We know where Michael Myers is. And we certainly do not know what is going to happen next. And as we all wait to find out what happens next in the very very much anticipated Halloween Kills coming out later this year that has been pushed back and pushed back. And I I know we're all chomping at the bit, or at least us Halloween fans are certainly chomping at the bit to see, you know, what this is going to end up being. This picks up, this this is filling that gap uh, for us. It it picks up right where 2000, the moment 2018 um, puts off or, or, or sets off or ends whatever I'm trying to say here and it does it so well you know I I just gave you all the disclaimers about fan films well throw them out the window for this particular fan film I even have difficulty calling it a fan film I talked to uh, the filmmaker about that it's just it's so well done the acting is there the costumes are there the lighting is there the cinematography is there the sound work is amazing Um, what they were able to include in this film, it's tough to differentiate it between, uh, you know, a fan film and something much greater than that. So again, an originally a, a trio of films. So you had Halloween Inferno Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. Part 1, I think it's like 8 minutes. Part 2, a little longer than that, maybe 12 minutes. And then Part 3, much longer. I think they're together. They're all about 45 minutes when you put them together. And you can watch them together right now on YouTube uh, if you haven't. I just suggest stopping this podcast right now and going and watching it. If you got 45 minutes to kill, you will not be disappointed. It's called The Boogeyman Cut. Uh, it is all three films put together and seamlessly. And it is just 
marvelous to watch. It is just a joy to watch, and that's why I wanted to talk to the filmmakers behind it. So James Coleman uh, of the Coleman Brothers, there's Vincent and there's James. James was nice enough to make time for me uh, to discuss not just this film, but uh, you know how they made it, uh, kind of what went into it, and what he is working on now. Uh, which is just, uh, it sounds like a very exciting project. So I was very excited to share this uh, short interview I did with James Coleman from Coleman Films uh, for our first uh, jump scare. So let's just get right into it. One of the things we talked about was this is a fan film. I mean, it says fan film. This does not feel like a fan film. And you are a fan of Halloween. You are a fan of the character of Michael Myers. But this, I, I think calling it a fan film doesn't do it justice. So what went into making this film look as good as it, it does? A lot of times Hallow- or Halloween fan film or the word fan film gets a negative connotation. Uh, it, people tend to think that it's just people with a camera that don't understand how to make a film and they're just running around killing each other. And arguably that is a lot of them, but uh, I think all, all fan films... Everyone starts somewhere, and I think fan films is a good place to start, uh, whether it's good or not. Because, again, I'm guilty of making plenty of fan films that are terrible. Um, so I think what goes into making it look so good is we started making films, my brother and I, when we were, I think, 9 and 10 years old. And our, our actual first film was a Halloween film, and it looked nothing like Halloween Inferno. It was just us running around the basement with ketchup and killing each other. But... I think what goes a lot into it is uh, we've developed a very classical filmmaking style. I mean, we've always been fans of John Carpenter. And if you look, he has kind of a very simplistic style with his imagery and as well as his composing. So those classical tripod, you know, small movements, uh, pans and tilts and dolly shots are very much what we incorporate in this. And that's kind of how I've developed my own style as a filmmaker. Uh, also, too, the lighting is tremendous in it. Um, we don't have, you know, we don't have million-dollar cameras or super expensive gear, but we know how to get the most out of what we do have. So, really good lighting, um, a good story structure, good editing, and good color grading, and that's that's kind of thing how we got the look that we see. Uh, one thing that we really noticed is in the original Halloween, there's a lot of uh, blue lighting, and then in the new one, they did a lot more uh, tungsten lighting, which is a warmer look. So we kind of try to incorporate both of those where we have. We have some of that moonlight, that cold blue, and then some of the warm, just depending on what the situation called for. And yeah, I, I think too, you know, the acting, the acting is very helpful. I mean, our actors all did a phenomenal job. And I think that's one thing that people run into a lot with fan films is that it's a lot of times people are using their friends. And uh, I did use some of my friends, but most of those shots, they were either dead guys on the ground or um, actually one of my good friends is the kid that got hit with the hammer. And I was like, all I got to do is argue with the girl and then let us hit you with a hammer and being my friend, he didn't seem to protest it much. It was a rubber hammer, but still sometimes it's hard when you're dealing with actors. They don't, it's not as easy when it's your friend. Talking about just that scene, the hammer scene, uh, that was, that was a really good scene. Like, I, I mean that you could feel that hammer. I thought that was shot really well. You could really feel it. So, I mean, the fact that you say, you know, one of your first fan films with your brother, who, by the way, you make these films with, was a Halloween fan film. Did that make the choice to make this an easy one? Because, of course, I'm going to ask you, you know, why not Friday the 13th? Why not Nightmare on Elm Street? Why'd you go with Halloween? So I'm going to give you some full disclosure here, and people might be shocked to hear this. I am not really a huge slasher fan, but there was something about Michael Myers and Halloween that really, it really, we gravitated to it immediately. And whether it was 
the look, the tone, the music, obviously, like, and that's something I've carried on is how important the score is to the film. But something about that character and the mystique of him, really, it really stuck with me and my brother. And we obviously, we had the mask when we were kids. We'd ask my mom for Christmas to get Michael Myers' mask, and we never did. But eventually, one Halloween, we finally got him. And wait, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, how did you decide to go into this franchise of film as opposed to any other fan film you could have made? So we live in upstate New York where the the weather changes pretty drastically. The leaves turn and every single year. And we, we made Michael Myers movies forever. And when we were kids, like at 10 years old, we made we never really stopped. But around 18 and 19 years old, we just started doing our own original content and kind of we kind of left the fan film thing and didn't really do that at all. We, we focused on our own original things as filmmakers. And we always joke and say that we learned all these skills to finally make a good Halloween film one day. So after we saw 2018, we were like, man, they finally did something right. After all these sequels and remakes, they finally did something right. And they, they kind of brought the essence of the character back. So I was like, dude, my, my my one friend who's a, he's a cinematographer, he asked me, he's like, do you want to do a Halloween project this year? Because every year we would shoot like a little short thing. And I was like, I do have a really good idea for a Halloween Halloween film. And he was like, I, I'm I'm cool to do it if you want to do it. And I said to my brother, I'm like, you still think you got Michael Myers in you? And we were out one August and it was one of those August days that kind of felt like fall and the, the cool breeze, that cool autumn breeze kind of blew past us. And we're like, you know what? I, I think it's time. So I told him what the idea I had was and how we could go about doing it. We're like, yeah, let's do it. And it was only, a, I believe it was a two-day shoot, the first Halloween Inferno Part 1, maybe made with like three or $400. And that was just to rent a couple lights and the gear we already had, camera-wise. And uh, the very first day we did it was uh, that 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 house you see where uh, Barker and Morris are talking outside of it about what's going on. That was the first, yeah. the first day of shooting, and that was a house I was renting at the time, and I had the entire neighborhood come out and help. And uh, I put up a Facebook post if anyone wanted to come bring their kids and be trick-or-treaters in my movie. And the, the whole experience has been awesome with Halloween because I've made a lot of friends, like the cool station wagon he drives, I've become very good friends with him. The the cop car, I've become good friends with him. And it, it's very cool talking to people that have uh, an interest or a hobby like that, like they're into cars or they're into filmmaking because you can kind of relate to them on that level of being passionate about something. And so yeah, coming about doing Halloween Inferno, when I said it, I called up my friends too that I grew up with because we used to make these movies with our friends. And I'm like, you guys want to just do this? Just Let's just do it because I've always wanted to be at the helm of a studio-funded Halloween movie. And I, th that's such a hard window to break into. So I thought, you know what? I'll make, a, I'll make a statement by just making it. And I don't know. I don't know if anyone from the studio or anyone from Blumhouse or on Carpenter's side has seen Inferno, but I know if they did that they would take notice. All right, let's uh, step out away from there real quick. I think this is a, a good opportunity to get a quick word from our sponsors. Hello? Hi there. What can I do for you? Oh, my God. Was, is that a woman hanging on a meat hook in the back? Oh, no. That's just decoration. We're just getting ready for Halloween. Oh, <laughs> Okay, well, my chainsaw here won't start, and I was wondering if uh, you could fix it, maybe sharpen the blades while you got it? Sure thing, we can fix you up. God, is someone hurt? Oh no, that's just Gunner working on chainsaw. Now, what's this big problem? Uh, 
It just won't start. Are you sure he's okay? He just gets to screaming when he's fixing one real good, you know, excited. In fact, he can probably get you fixed up real good if you want to hang around. Interest you in finger sandwich while you wait? Oh my god, these are, are these real fingers? Oh no, I told you we just really get into Halloween around here. It's August. You're August. What? Who? Looks like you're up next. Ah! Go! Go! Chainsaw sales and service will fix you good guaranteed or we'll slash you or the price clean in half. All right, we're back with our conversation with James Coleman at Coleman Films about Halloween, Inferno, The Boogeyman Cut. The three films completed now. Let's get right back in uh, to that conversation. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, uh, it took me that it was, I think you started this in 2019, and then you did two in 2020, and that's just from IMDb, I'm getting that. But uh, why three installments? I mean, did you, was the first uh, kind of a test run, or, you know, how'd that come to be? So, uh, realistically, we, I had that idea just for the little short, and I said to everybody, and I firmly believed on set, I was telling them, like, guys, this is going to be huge, I promise it'll blow up, it'll be amazing, I promise, guys, just, just trust me, promise, and I... I, I mean, I was I was nuts about it, and I know that because I'm I'm a Halloween fanatic myself. So, I think you know me me having that kind of energy brought everyone else's energy up. So the first part we did is just like a, I was like, look, let's just do some really cool lighting. Let's show like how Michael Myers would look, like a, a cool. We'll, we'll grab everyone's attention with that opening sequence. He pops up in the car. Well, it's kind of a throwback to the original one. Like we'll see the cool mask. And I was like, I really want to do a steady cam kill. And I kept thinking like, how can I incorporate this steady cam kill that would be something interesting and i think a lot of times in fan films people have this mindset or like kind of idea of what michael myers is without really i guess they don't they don't ground the character as much as he should be they get like crazy with it like he can take a million bullets he can fall off balconies he can get hit by cars and i don't think michael myers really goes out of his way to get hit by cars and get shot by bullets he's a lot smarter than that, a lot more crafty than that a lot more uh well planned than that so while he's sitting in the car, and I, and I I like to play with that stalker specter aspect. So when he's sitting in the car, just watching people, I thought, what could catch his eye? And that was the mask. One, and I am I I will say to myself, I am extremely proud of that because I'm not a Steadicam operator, but I think it was the power of Michael Myers made that shot end up being great somehow. And then we did it like four more times, and it was awful. So <laughs> there was a lot of creative people on that, and a lot of people that were Halloween fans, which helped. But I would say this: the first one we made just for fun, and then. I don't know where people were like, this is amazing. I'm getting messages from people. I'm getting reviews on YouTube. And then uh, we able, we were able to raise, I think, like $2,000. Like, all right, let's make part two with $2,000. We did part two. And I was like, all right, let's bring it back to 1978. Because I, I, I was like, I want to recreate the openings. Okay, hold on. I wanted to introduce Hawkins to kind of have that transition into meeting Lily Hawkins so everyone would, would, would understand who it was without, like, blatantly saying it. You know, show, don't tell. Right. And then we go to that, and we look at that house that we shot it in, and we go upstairs, and I see the bedroom with this open balcony. I'm like, okay, well, now we have to shoot this because of. I was like, all right, we're gonna recreate the beginning because this is literally the perfect place to do it, and it looks just like it. So I thought, all right, let's amp it up. I we talked to our special effects guy, Michael Del Rosa, and I was like, Can we do squibs and everything. So we we really, you know, we rigged up my brother to explosives, so he's actually getting like <laughs> shots going off on him, and. So we ended off part two, and obviously we played with the timeline a little bit like that because part three or part one basically kind of like 
he switches the mask, obviously. And we were like, we didn't want to switch it that quickly had we done more. So we're like, all right, let's do a couple more kills with the mask and then we'll explain it all in part three, like what the timeline really is. And then you see the boogeyman cut where it shows you exactly what's happening where. And I mean, realistically, it was more so the interest went up and then raising some funds to do it because financially COVID kind of really killed us. So we didn't really have the money to throw into it. Talking about, you mentioned the boogeyman cut there. Uh, the boogeyman cut is available. People can get that, uh, you know, for, for a donation and that donation is going to fund your next project. You want to talk about that real quick? Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, so our next project is called the burned over district. Uh, and that's actually a real, it's a real place. Uh, it's actually where we're from. So we're from upstate New York around, we live in Rochester, but that's around like the Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany area. It's all within like four or five hours. And uh, the Burnover District refers to the fiery pace in which uh, a bunch of religions started to pop up around the advent of the Erie Canal, so like around the late 1800s. And if you've ever been upstate New York, which I'm sure, I mean, most people that have been to upstate New York or even Pennsylvania around these areas, they would know there's a lot of, I guess you could call them ghost towns or kind of like the faded memory of a town. And when you drive through it, you always ask yourself, who lives here? And there's like nothing around. There's no businesses. There's, I mean, you, you barely even see a Walmart and there's like obscure like little knickknack shops and antiques and you start to wonder like what do these people do here and like what are they what's going on and like how do people survive out in this way so we thought what if one of those religions or cults stuck around and they're kind of just doing their own thing in this little town and that's that's where the story developed from and I mean the story really is more so about a, a brother and sister and, and, and her trying to help him after the loss of his wife and uh, it, it's one of those movies that it'll completely subvert your expectations. Like you'll, you won't see what's coming because it starts off very much like a slow burn. And then out of nowhere, it really revs up and you're like, wow, I really did not see this happening, but it's a bloody fun time. Um, we're about 90% of the way done filming. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about this one. It's probably gonna be the film that kills me because we've been working on it for like eight months. It's just, we, we shoot when we can and when we have the money and, it's been it's it's been a hell of a journey, and I, I gotta say, uh, if if any of my crew and cast is ever listening to this, you guys have been awesome. And it, without them, we haven't we wouldn't be able to do it because we're doing overnights. We actually just shot it a scene last night. We uh, started at 6 p.m. and ended at 6 a.m. And uh, my my brother and myself were uh, night owls, uh, sleep insomniacs. We're out of our minds, but most people aren't. So on set, you know we're putting people through hell and I know it, but when it's all said and done and I keep telling them this, I'm like, I promise you guys, this is going to be something amazing. And it is, it really is. Every, every frame is a, every frame is a beautiful painting. Every image is amazing. Every scene is handled with care. And, you know, we brought a lot of those elements from Inferno with that, you know, the, the really interesting lighting, the dynamic lighting, the dynamic camera work and editing. So you'll see a lot of those influences in this and, from the people that were fans of Inferno, I promise you guys will be fans of this too. It's like Amityville Horror meets Pet Cemetery meets Hereditary meets Mandy. And none of those movies are alike, so that's why it'll be interesting. Yeah, that, that is quite a list there. Uh, if anybody wants to kind of follow the progress or, you know, see where this is where this is going to be, is there a better way to follow you than another? You could follow us on Instagram at the Coleman Films. Uh, we post a lot there. Uh, I will be honest with you. I am not a good social media person. We actually just recently hired someone so we could actually get our stuff seen. Like I, 
a lot of people say in the comments, I can't believe that Inferno doesn't have millions of views. And I don't, I'm not sure if it's because of us or it's just, we're not very good at marketing. So we kind of just posted it without any, any like buildup. We just posted Halloween Inferno part one and just hoped for the best. And surprisingly it, it did, it definitely, you know, it garnered interest and people saw it. It just, I think with a better marketing plan, it probably would be higher up on the list, but I don't know. That's not my, I'm just a filmmaker. I don't know much about social media stuff. I'll tell you, I, I said this to my brother uh, at one point. I was like, do you realize that we did what we wanted to do when we were kids? When we were 10 years old, we would go out in the, in the backyard and it'd be a gloomy day. Like imagine if we did this today or we did this scene, or we did that scene. And we're like trying to make these images that we weren't capable of doing yet because we didn't know how. But I said, like, looking back now, if I could say to my 10 year old self, like, Hey, you know, this, this is what all this was for. So all those years of trying and trying, like, we proved that we could do it. Like we proved that we're, we're willing or like that we're on par with the people that are getting the millions of dollar budgets and that we could do it too. It's just, I think our break will come. We're just waiting for that. We're still young. We'll get that break. I hope. So a very special thank you to James Coleman for making time for me to do that. As you heard, he is very busy on that next project, which sounds like it is going to be a very exciting one. And if what we've seen him do is any indicator of what he and his brother and that crew is going to do going forward, my, we certainly have some exciting things in front of us. So again, if you have not gone and seen, or you don't have to go anywhere, if you've just not seen Halloween Inferno, Look it up right now. Like I said, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, look up Halloween Inferno, the Boogeyman Cut. It'll probably be the first thing that pops up, but definitely worth it. Once you see it and think, man, this thing was great, you can get a DVD Blu-ray copy of that Boogeyman Cut. So it's going to look, you know, 10 times as beautiful as it does already on YouTube, and you're going to have that copy in hand. They're not selling it to you. This is your gift for donating to them, and all of those donations, as you heard, that's that's uh, everything they make. They make. They're just throwing right back into their movies, and obviously, you see, they're putting it up on the screen. It is happening. I mean, they're not uh, taking that money and you know, run into the bank, they're definitely putting it right back into their films. And that is very evident here with uh, Halloween Inferno. And so if you do go and buy that Blu-ray, you're basically funding that next project, which I'm very excited to see. Sounds like they're getting close to wrapping up. So very excited to see what that ends up being. So again, a very big thanks to James Coleman, everybody over there working with Coleman Films. You guys are doing a fantastic job, just a phenomenal job and really uh, giving us all a treat before uh, the next big Halloween thing comes out, uh, Halloween Kills later this year. So again, thank you again, and thank you all for listening to us and supporting us because, you know, for a very uh, new podcast, uh, you guys have really, uh, I don't know what happened in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, our listens have just you know, kind of shot through the roof in the last couple of weeks. And we really appreciate everybody that's listening, everybody that's listening here in America, but in other countries as well. We've, you know, we've got listeners in Canada and Brazil and uh, Germany and, you know, the UK, and that's just naming a few. I mean, the, the response has been uh, pretty impressive for a brand new podcast. And that is very humbling to Micah and I. We absolutely love having these conversations with each other. We've been having them for over a decade now. We're just uh, hitting record before we have these conversations and we're really enjoying it. I mean, we're just having a blast recording these and, you know, watching these movies and then sharing that with you. Um, so, you know, if you get an opportunity, I mean, 
you certainly can support us there. I believe on our page, there is a, uh, a button to, you know, buy us a cup of coffee or something like that. But, but really that's not what we're looking for. We would love for you guys just to subscribe to our podcast, wherever, you know, you get your podcast, just hit that little notification button. So you'll know when we do the next one, we're trying to put them out every two weeks on Friday, I believe. Um, and then if, if there's the option to leave a review, please leave us a good review. Uh, you know, if you want to leave us a bad review, go ahead and do that, you know, but, uh, I'd rather you not, of course, but also, uh, you know, go follow us on Twitter, go follow us on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page, but it's virtually impossible to promote a Facebook page these days. So we're putting a lot more effort into Instagram and Twitter, and we're both on there a lot. Mike and I are are on those accounts quite a bit. And that has been overwhelming too. Just getting to have the conversations that I've had with our mutant family, that's been pretty amazing. I mean, people that are are just like us who love these films and love to talk about these films and love this lifestyle. What a fantastic opportunity for us to not just enjoy ourselves, but enjoy all of you guys in this amazing horror community. So, you know, please uh, go look for us on Twitter. Go look for us on Instagram. We're on there every day. If you got any questions for us or any suggestions for us, please hit us up. You know, I mean, we're, we're brand new to this, so we're just trying. Hopefully you're liking some of these uh, silly commercials that we're putting in between, uh, you know, our segments. And uh, we'll get better at this, and we'll get better with your help and with you listening. And so thank you again for the great great response. Thank you for listening uh, today. And uh, we'll catch you next Friday when we do our review of Club Dread. Very excited for that one. I'm telling you, I know it's a comedy. I know it's ridiculous, but it holds up with just about any slasher out there. And you'll get to hear me make my argument for that because I definitely believe this is a great movie. Uh, some of the fan work that I have done, I, I stole from this movie, not the comedy, but you know, some of the ways they film these kills, and it, it's just a really good movie, and we'll get all into that next week. So uh, for Micah and for Slasher, I hardly know her. Uh, this is Alex. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.